Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse, on your way to work, at the gym, wherever and whenever you have time to get updated. Please remember that this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of today's episode. So, are you ready? Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Market Bites. Uh, I've got the dream team with me today, Josh Gilbert uh, and Neza. How are you doing, guys? I'm great. How are you? Very well. Very well. Josh, how are you? Good. Yeah, I was just complaining it was a little bit hot. So I uh, <laughs> just got back from, from football training. Uh, but yeah, doing very well. Can't complain. Yeah, market's all-time highs. How can you be unhappy with the S&P 500 over 5,000? Yeah, you yeah. can't. You can't. And and uh, I guess one of our topics today is the title gives it away is also talking about another market that has reached a milestone, not quite an all time high, uh, but sentiment seems pretty good. So we'll discuss Bitcoin at 50k. We'll also discuss Airbnb and Cisco. How does that sound for everyone? Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I mean, Bitcoin, phew, what a remarkable turnaround that's been, um, you know, since it's loads in 2022, tripled in price since that time. Obviously, got a lot of excitement around the spot ETFs, um, which have obviously really driven this sort of recent rally. And then we've obviously got this improvement of risk appetite as well with you know what is rate cuts on the horizon uh, from pretty much all central banks, uh, you know, this year, major central banks, really. Um, and we'll get on to that, you know, in a bit. But look, it will be good to, to obviously look at what's next for, for sort of Bitcoin as well. You hit such a big milestone like 50K. It's always good to sort of cover, you know, what's next for it. Wow, yeah, it's uh it's a great topic to consider and I'm looking forward to what you you will have to say about Bitcoin. Uh so for today's episode I decided to cover Airbnb. Uh we saw that stock stock jumped 4% yesterday and today after market they will be releasing their fourth quarter uh, earnings report. Um so we all know Airbnb. It's gaining popularity in past years. Uh, their stock went public in December 2020 and soared on the first trading day. This positive trend continued in the following months, but we saw a downturn in 2022 as there was lots of economic uncertainty. But last year, it had a pretty solid run. It rose by 60%. And in September last year, it also joined SP500. So I'm yeah. really excited about their earnings report, uh, how they their business performed in the last quarter and what they will have to say for 2024. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one. Uh, they report, as you said, Tuesday after market. I've gone for Cisco, who report Wednesday after market. And when I was looking at potential subjects for this week, I... Uh, came across a lot of buzz around Cisco and we'll go into the reason why but it's quite funny yesterday I was looking at their share price where it's been where it could potentially go and and uh, let me just read off a couple of stats which make it in my mind interesting one day performance minus 0.28 okay that's quite boring five day performance minus 0.7 okay that's pretty boring as well one month performance minus one percent also boring six month performance is minus seven okay not really much going on there either year to date uh minus one okay boring one year performance is up four percent five year performance up one percent so everything there really 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 boring the max all-time performance is up sixty-two thousand three hundred eighty-seven 
percent. So I think there's something there. Of course, anyone yeah. that remembers the the dot com crashes uh, around the early two thousand, Cisco before that was just up incredible amounts, came back to reality. Is the recovery on? That's going to be what I look to discuss. Before we get to that, Josh, we mentioned there fifty k was reached for Bitcoin. Uh, what a turnaround, by the way. Um, so why are we seeing it move higher and what has taken us to that two-year high? Yeah, well, uh, plenty of optimism, <clears throat> as I said, sort of coming back into Bitcoin um, after what was a pretty, you know, tepid sort of launch of these ETFs. We discussed it a few weeks back on the podcast, Sam, and it, it sort of did turn out to be a bit of a nothing event. We obviously had huge gains in 2023, 120% gain at least for Bitcoin, which was obviously on the back of this acceptance you know, coming through. And we saw it, and now we're actually starting to see optimism return back uh, because we're actually starting to see robust trading volumes and billions of dollars flow into the ETFs um, in recent weeks as well. And I think ultimately what we're starting to see now is that these ETFs are a success for those reasons, because of the trading volumes, because of the billion dollars of, of inflows that we're sort of getting. And I think it really just shows why the market was longing for their acceptance for sort of so long and why we had such a big run up in 2023 on the expectation that these Bitcoin ETFs would come through. Then, as I mentioned, you've got the risk appetite returning. As I say, you've got stock markets at record highs. Uh, in Australia here, we, we just sort of recently took out a new record high for the ASX 200. You've got the S&P, Dow Jones, NASDAQ. You know, you could go on. So I think we're really starting to see investors putting, you know, capital back into markets again, if they were maybe potentially sat in cash uh, for the last year, given how much of a good return cash was obviously giving, obviously nowhere near Nasdaq's nearly 60% return. But, you know, rate cuts on the horizon act as that sort of tailwind. And it's, you know, obviously, you know, giving retail um, investors more reason to sort of keep buying. Um, but at the same time, you've also now got institutions coming to the party with this ETF. And that's really not something that we've seen in the past. So the inclusion of institutions for Bitcoin is is really, really big. And that's what's really sort of the driving force for Bitcoin and why it's ultimately making it look so strong at the moment. Well, you're really covering one of the hottest topics uh, now. So do you think that this rally can continue? And what catalyst are you looking at? Yeah, look, I think there's there's legs here. I think this rally does have further legs because I think there is a lot for investors to be positive about. I think there's a lot of catalysts. Um, so I mentioned about rate cuts. We've got four or five cuts lined up from the Fed um, alone this year. You know, we're probably looking at maybe five at the very least, probably where we are now, which, as I say, is going to be a, a massive tailwind for Bitcoin and, and actually crypto assets more broadly. Then we've got the, the fourth Bitcoin halving that will enhance Bitcoin scarcity. And it's always been a marker for a bull run uh, from Bitcoin in its history. We've only got three to go off. But in Bitcoin's history, it's always acted as that sort of new marker uh, as a bull run. And like you say, when we're sort of you know increasing the scarcity of this asset, we're taking away supply, you know, simple supply and demand economics there. And then we have further inflows to these Bitcoin ETFs as well. We've already seen billions of dollars, as I mentioned, flow into these assets, you know, just weeks after launching as well. So for me, this is just the tip of the iceberg for you know ETF flows. And I think we're likely to keep seeing strong inflows in 2024. 
which is why Bitcoin is so doing so well. You know, this is an asset that institutions are going to research. They're going to sort of get comfortable with this asset. And then they're going to continue to invest and, and will invest more as time goes on as well. You know, it's not we're, we're not going to see, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars coming in in the weeks ahead. But, but we will see that over time. Um, so that's, uh, you know, a really, really strong catalyst for for investors, you know, maybe outside of Bitcoin, more broadly for the crypto market as well. Uh, I think Ethereum is a name that we should sort of keep an eye on as well. It's matched Bitcoin's performance so far this year after sort of really underperforming in 2023. But I think that leaves it a little bit of room to sort of maybe one up Bitcoin uh, this year, potentially after, you know, underperforming. Usually in, in previous cycles, we've seen Ethereum and um, we've also seen altcoins tend to sort of outperform Bitcoin. Um, we didn't see that last year. Bitcoin was remained dominant and it was sort of the, the king and, and outperformed, you know, most other assets. But Ethereum has the potential to, to get an acceptance of another spot ETF that comes through in May. That's the first SEC deadline for that as well. It may be slightly premature. We may get slightly excited over it. But the good news is we've already had the sort of the tip of the hat from the regulators really here for, for one crypto ETF. So it's hard to not see them maybe allow another one. Uh, and if those expectations grow, so will Ethereum's price as well. So definitely an asset to, to sort of keep an eye on as well. But as I mentioned, plenty of catalysts there for Bitcoin to continue this run. And like I said, I think it's got further legs uh, in 2024. Yeah, it looks pretty good at the moment. Let us know in the chat, everyone, how you're feeling about the crypto world. Positive, uh, bearish, indecided. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, next up for us, then, uh, we'll talk about Airbnb. And, and Neza, what, what do you think investors are expecting from the earnings uh, that come out to, tomorrow? Uh, or I should say later, sorry today. Uh, so yeah, first uh, let's explain how Airbnb even makes money. Uh, so it's an online platform. They offer, um, they are actually connecting people who are offering property to people who are looking for a place to stay for a short term. So uh, they are making money charging fees to both hosts and guests. And I think that market will especially focus on uh, revenue figures for the fourth quarter, especially because their guidance was a bit lower than what market expected. They stated that it's because market uncertainties, uh, rising costs and geopolitical tensions and we will see how it goes here. Uh, and there are also some key figures I think investors will focus on, and they are important for their business. So the first one is gross booking value. Uh, that's actually whole amount of money processed on the platform, ex excluding cancellations. Uh, so far in 2023, gross booking value hit almost $60 billion. And with that, it already exceeded pre-pandemic levels of 2019. Um, and we will see what the number will be here. Another key metric uh, investors will look for sure is number of nights and experiences booked. Uh, in last quarter, in third quarter, they reported more than 100 million bookings. And with that, they exceeded market expectations and also pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and they especially, um, they especially highlighted a rise in international bookings. Uh, they are, they are seeing an positive, the positive trend in this section. So I would like to know how this, if this trend continued in the fourth quarter as well or not. 
Um, and related to that, international bookings, they recently uh, said that they will be, there will be new fee for guests that are making cross, uh, cross currency bookings. So there will be implementing 2% fee for guests who are making bookings in other currency that the host they're booking with. Uh, so if this positive international booking trend continues, we could see some positive impact on their operating margin, operating margins in the next year. Uh, this fee will be implemented in April. Uh, so I'm, that's why I'm really looking for how this trend of international bookings continue. Um, then the last thing I'm sure that market will focus on is, a is of course, future guidance. Uh, and what are they, they expecting from 2024? Uh, how are they navigating the market? And here I'm especially looking for their comments regarding regulatory concerns on short-term uh, rentals from places like Airbnb. We know that cities are fighting the platforms like Airbnb um, and putting stricter rules with them. So that will be something the market will focus on. Yeah. Market's always focused on guidance, isn't it? Usually. But <laughs> yeah. it's earning season. This earning season, I think it's actually taken a little bit of a turn. We've seen the results actually tend to to have a bigger impact on the share price rather than the guidance. I think we saw it with with Microsoft, we saw it with Meta, we saw it with Amazon. Those results are really solid. And I, although the outlook came with it, that tended to be um, the, the focus usually. But as we, any long-term listeners will know, me and Sam usually uh, always cover guidance. So it's good that you're, you're picking up on it, Neza. Um, and any long-term listeners will also know that I am a big lover of Airbnb over time as well. So I definitely will be keeping an eye uh, on earnings and and you mentioned there Neza about the short-term rentals um you know, this has been a big issue i think for airbnb for for a long time we've got rental crises in in many countries sydney being one of them right now so so how are these sort of short-term rental regulations actually going to be affecting airbnb yeah so Cities are putting different rules to Airbnb and platforms like that. That happened because uh, after pandemic, demand, uh, demand for short-term rentals spiked and there was a huge increase. But now cities see that locals have a hard time looking for a place to stay. Rent are, uh, rents are really high, as you mentioned. Uh, and they're also saying that because of Airbnb, uh, uh, this quiet areas are getting noisy because of tourists. And they're also mentioning that traditional accommodations like hotels are facing unfair competition. Um, so yeah, that's why places like Sydney, Paris, New York, Florence, they're all implementing new rules. And New York took one of the strongest actions so far. Uh, since September, they implemented a new rule and now short-term rental, rental hosts have to be present and live in the property they're renting and they have to register it with the city and there's an also a cap of two guests per stay. So this is really a strict rule and Airbnb tried to fight it. They even sued the New, new York City, but this uh, case got dismissed. Uh, in August, and now the rule is implemented. Um, and as you might expect, the Airbnb rentals in New York City have gone down, down substantially after this ban. Uh, and we have to 
say here that demand did the, uh, this demand didn't just disappear. It only transferred to closest available location. And in this case, it's New Jersey. Uh, and not only New Jer Jersey, also underground websites that are uh, on the black market. And those websites present a risk for both hosts and guests. So we will see how that goes. I think that we will have to wait for a few, for a few quarters uh, to see how this regulation affects Airbnb business and also local communities. But if more cities decide to implement those stricter rules, it would be definitely uh, definitely a, a challenge for Airbnb to work on. And I'm looking for their comments regarding how they're going to face this this issue in the future. Yeah, I hope for the best and we will see today after market. Yeah, I think and we love to talk about use cases and products on, on the podcast. And um, Yoni, uh, obviously our CEO, he did a fantastic episode. And, and the episode that he came on and, and spoke about what he invests in was what everyday people continue to to use and what they continue to love. He mentioned Disney, he mentioned Coca-Cola, as some of those companies um, that he likes to invest in because he can never see them you know, not being used. For me, I, I, I love Airbnb because I just it's the first platform that I turn to. Maybe somebody else can come in and replicate it and do a better job. But I think there are competition out there and, and I'm not sure they're anywhere near as good. Maybe they are a slight one-trick pony. Maybe they need to sort of add another sort of bow uh, to their string. Not 100% sure. But, you know, investors seem to like it. Had a great start to the year. Shares are up sort of 15%. So, you know, earnings are going to be sort of really important to sort of keep that momentum going. Um, in terms of momentum, Cisco is somebody that does need momentum, Sam. And I think they might have found their trick on, on sort of how to turn being boring around. I'm pretty sure I saw a, a press release last week and they name dropped a very big name in the AI space, a little company called NVIDIA. Uh, is that a little plan there to maybe try and turn their fortunes around? And uh, is that going to be what investors focus on ahead of their earnings? Yeah, I, I think if you were to start a company now and you really wanted to to push momentum, you would drop two names. One, NVIDIA. Two, probably Taylor Swift, uh, I imagine. So Disney obviously <laughs> did that, that last week. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But Cisco report their earnings uh, on Wednesday, depending when people are, are listening to this. And as I was mentioning about their incredibly boring five-year uh, share price, it is a remarkable chart when you actually zoom out and look at it over the last... 25 years um but we'll, we'll talk about the 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 share price and sentiment in a moment actually you just mentioned there about airbnb i was just looking and as a while you were talking it's actually now trading the highest it has since may 2022 really key level around yeah. 153 for any technical analysts uh out there ahead of the report from from cisco i mean there's been a lot of rumors about a restructuring uh, and thousands of job losses and that's really catching a lot of people's attention i think they want to see what that number will be how the restructuring process is going to be and Reuters were were mentioning how they're looking to focus on high growth areas through this restructuring so there's approximately 85,000 staff worldwide uh, and as I said they're still sort of determining that number of employees some people think we're going to hear that number before the earnings call some people think we'll hear it on it so I, I guess for anyone in the build-up to Wednesday after market close just keep an ear out for that uh, just in case uh, you are someone that, that trades in the build-up. Um, the company has obviously quite a significant 
history of these these job reductions. Uh, November 2022, they reduced by 5%, which was around 4,000 jobs. Uh, But also the following that, it resulted in about $600 million in severance and other charges. So that that is something I think people don't necessarily think about. Over the last couple of years, certainly with a lot of companies where you've seen uh, headlines like XYZ companies uh, cutting their workforce by 10%, the share price goes up almost, but there is obviously other um, you know, factors to consider. It's not always necessarily good news for uh, the business. Just mentioning on the share price, I mean, I, I, I think technical analysis can be a great guide for sentiment. Overall, fundamentals will always rule. But should we get to the, the back end of the week and we're trading above, let's just say, 52, I think that'd be a really, really good win for, for Cisco. Yes, that would be a pretty sizable move, around 6 7%. But sentiment-wise, that would be the highest this year. It would be the highest since the beginning of November last year, which actually was their last earnings report. People may well remember that week of their earnings, they actually dropped about 13, 14%. So it'd be a full recovery. Sentiment would be great. Back to where we went low. We're higher than there now, highest in the year. Okay, let's crack on. Continue to drop NVIDIA at our peril. Uh, And then to the downside, if it was to not be received as well and trade below 48, which wouldn't be a massive move lower, 4 or 5%. And by the way, this earnings um, season, any company that does miss uh, their expectations or provides poor forward guidance just seem moves way bigger than that. That would be a bit of a worry below 48, below 45. And if we do trade, it's to say at 44 bucks, that would be, you know, below last year's low from November, April and January. So that would be a, a, a bit of a worry, uh, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I think in summary, you know, why should we care? And I was reading about this yesterday. Look at this description. Cisco makes money by selling networking and communications equipment and software that are the backbone of the internet. You know, that's that sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty important. So we need to care as well. Investors are going to be concerned about the impact of the the layoffs on the overall strategy, uh, financial performance and market positioning. I think it's one to to, to look out for, for sure. Uh, but Cisco is not the only one with uh, with layoffs. Not last year, not this year. We are we are continuing continuing to see more layoffs, don't we? And especially in tech sector, uh, we heard about them in earnings reports. And yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Over the last couple of years, and and even from you know a company perspective, it generates movement within the share price when they announce it. But it's also quite interesting, I find. Every first Friday of the month when we have uh, non-farm payrolls and it's like the market loves when people lose jobs, which is very, very harsh uh, when you think about it like that. Um, and when we get a really, really stronger um, non-farm payrolls, put loads of jobs created, people are like, well, hang on, this isn't what we want to see for the rate cuts that are going to boost the market for the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, in, in recent times, tech industry, we've witnessed quite a, a, a few layoffs. Uh, October last year, Nokia. They revealed plans to cut, I think it was 14,000. Ericsson in, uh, last year as well, 8,500. You know, some of the big tech companies, I'm sure a lot of people recognize your Alphabets, your Amazons, your Ebays, your Microsoft, your Salesforce, even TikTok have all recently announced, you know, new rounds of layoffs on top of what they did in, in 2023 and 2002. So a big contrast to what we saw during the pandemic, where there was obviously a big surge for consumer demand 
the technology products as people were forced to stay indoors. Uh, I didn't actually mind it too much, to be honest. I was the fittest I ever was during the pandemic. It's just gone downhill since then. But I think everyone can remember there was this big demand for uh, sort of tech products. Uh, and as a result, you know, Apple, your Amazons, your Meta, your Microsoft, your Alphabets, uh, you know, they had to create loads of new jobs to deal with this demand, 900,000 between them. However, since then, there's been a big, big change. And this is that restructuring, which I think is going to be really interesting for Cisco is, okay, you're going to get rid of jobs, but where are the new ones going? And of course, by talking about AI, that's where, you know, you want to, you know, restructure that workforce, not necessarily means you need to create new jobs overall you can still have those layoffs cost cutting great for the business but where is that focus going to be and of course ai is is something that you know for the last 18 24 months has been such a hot topic and and josh you're very much right there if you uh if you drop nvidia i mean we've seen what nvidia's share price has, has done this year uh, and then you start delivering as well you have a couple of good earnings reports maybe those people that are dreaming of those 2000 2001 highs in cisco it might start to uh, uh, come closer to reality. Yeah, I mean, what a run for NVIDIA, as you mentioned it there as well. So no wonder Cisco wants to drop it, sort of NVIDIA into any chance they can ultimately get because they want to get back to sort of what NVIDIA was doing when they were in sort of the 2000s, right? Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think it, it's a company that, you know, is, is sort of, you know, struggling to sort of get back to sort of where it used to be, but it's certainly on the right path as well. And if you're going to mention AI that many times on an earnings call, you, you should be pretty good as well. And cutting jobs, etc. The market always applauds it. Wall Street always applauds cutting jobs, although it's it's not great um, from a personal level. It's great from a business level, and and you know investors tend to tend to like it. And and we've seen that shine through with Meta and other names as well. Uh, they've really reaped the rewards of sort of going into efficiency mode. So uh, yeah, here's to here's to hoping Cisco can deliver for investors. Yeah. yeah, I agree uh, with Josh with this one because maybe maybe Cisco will gain momentum as uh, <laughs> as they are hoping for, like we saw in early thousands. But we will see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting week, a busy one. But we'll be back next week to cover it all. Neza, Josh, thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Bye bye. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results.